Hey there, welcome to the Lead Bold Podcast, a place where we engage in incredible conversations with amazing leaders in ministry and ministry partners as we encourage and challenge one another to live fully into what God is calling us to be. Each episode will dig into three questions. One, what is hard about being a woman leading in ministry? Two, what is one transformational or even trajectory-changing lesson you've learned about leadership? And three, what does it mean to you to lead bold? Our amazing guest today is none other than Kim Curtis, the executive director of Goodness Village, which is a phenomenal nonprofit that is seeking to bring a sense of home to those who have suffered from chronic homelessness in an attempt to give them community and, and give them an opportunity to not just simply survive, but thrive. Kim has also spent 15 plus years in the mental health industry, um, primarily in intensive case engagement. And her experience has reached out to not only the homeless, but survivors of domestic violence, the severely afflicted and mentally ill, and she has a special place in her heart for our veterans. And so um, Kim brings a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the nonprofit space and the uh, mental health industry. And she has a lot to share with us today. Let's hear from Andrea. Hey everyone, you are about to hear a conversation Aaron and I had with Kim Curtis. Kim Curtis, as you heard, is the executive director of Goodness Village, and we talked about some things that will be especially encouraging to those of you who are called and who are ministering and who are leading, but in a place that is not overtly faith-based. And of course, the rest of us can learn from it as well. But we so much appreciated Kim's authenticity, vulnerability, and wisdom during our conversation. And you'll hear a little something about cross tattoos, people fainting, and making yourself cry. So enjoy this episode with Kim Curtis. Hey, Lead Bold listeners. I am so excited to be back with you on our Lead Bold podcast. We have a great conversation in store. Uh, me with my co-host Aaron. Hey Aaron. Hey everybody. Good to be here. And our guest Kim Curtis. Welcome Kim. Thank you. Hi everybody. It's so exciting to be here. Part of why I'm so eager to have this conversation is because you know in our Lead Bold community we have a broad um, span of the spaces that women lead in and um, as you heard from our pre-show content, um, Kim is in the nonprofit space. And I'm just so excited to kind of hear, Kim, how how you navigate that, how it's different than when you're in a strictly um, overtly faith-based space. That was hard to say, faith-based space. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm ready to soak it in, all the things you're going to teach us. <laughs> okay. Well, no pressure. No pressure at all there. <laughs> no, no pressure. Um, awesome. Well, hey, let's jump in um, with our, our first question um, where we like to just kind of get to the heart of things and be honest about some of the challenges that we face as women who are leading in ministry settings. So let's, uh, let's jump in. Kim, what is hard about being a woman in leadership? Oh my gosh, what's not hard would be a shorter conversation about <laughs> True. it, right? Oh gosh, there's so many things that it, I have to apologize to former supervisors of not understanding why they did certain things that now I find myself going, oh, that's why you did those things because we, you, we don't know 
how everyone else is working, right? So like how are the person sitting in the cubicle next to you, like what they're doing behind the scenes to create problems within the workplace. So um, just if they're listening, I want to apologize to my former supervisors for my low patience. Totally. <laughs> I think we can board. all relate to that. It's like, <laughs> oh, when you have to suddenly be worried about budgets and hiring and operations and all the things that before you were just oblivious to and didn't have to make those hard decisions, life was so much easier back then. Absolutely. I remember being like, where are they? They're never here. And now I'm like, oh, my team probably says the same thing. And that's because I'm trying to find you money so that I can pay your bills so that you can have a roof over your head and food. But you don't know that. All you know is that I'm not here. And in your head, you're like, is she just at home on the couch eating bonbons? <laughs> and I'm not. I'm hustling. <laughs> For sure. That's definitely I... one of the hardest things. Yeah, we get to work near each other. So I see you. I see you hustling, Kim. Sorry, Aaron. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think that that's such an interesting and prominent part of the discussion when it comes to ministry is like what we perceive and understand people do versus what they're actually doing. And because like, you know, we're, we're asked in scripture that like, you know, the right hand is not or left hand is not to know what the right is doing. And so we're not always like super vocal or like feel strange about talking about all these great things that are happening because of our, you know, of being part of being a leader in ministry is having a servant's heart. And so you're doing all these things, but that sometimes does, I think, maybe cause as a woman, especially where it's like, if there's already doubts in the particular ministry you're in about a woman being in leadership, if there isn't always like visibility to all these things you're accomplishing, quote unquote, what work is she really doing, quote unquote. And that I can see how that would be really difficult. Yeah, so much trust has to be in the organization, you know, to kind of, there's a phrase we use at our church on our staff of to fill the gap with trust. And I don't think we made it up. We probably heard it from somewhere. But, you know, it's this idea like when there is doubt, let our first response be that we trust that somebody is doing the work that they, you know, they're not taking advantage. And, you know, when it's ministry or when it's something you are called to do, your heart is to do the work. Yes, you get paid. Well, not everybody gets paid, but when you get paid and that is what you do for a living, um, that's simply so that you don't have to also have another job. Like, you know, you can put all your time into this thing that you feel called to. At least that's how I look at it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we joke at the office amongst people who are in supervisor positions, like, wouldn't it be cool if we could pay you for the times that you're actually like constantly thinking about the project, which I would be paying you 24 seven, because you're thinking about it in your sleep now and we're just, you know, you're just, it never goes away, even though we're working the 40 hour week, we're constantly dreaming up things because it's so new and exciting. So it would be lovely to be able to pay you for all your creative thinking time. Right. Now, Kim, you and I have talked specifically about what's hard about being um, a leader who's a Christian, who is called to her work, who it is Jesus's work and in an organization that is not specifically overtly faith based. Let's talk about that a little bit. Tell us a little bit about maybe tell us a little bit more about your setting and then kind of how that plays out for you personally. Sure. So Goodness Village, we decided early on for one grant purposes, but also just because people who are coming into there to be residents um, have a, 
oftentimes some trauma history associated to their faith or their upbringing around religious um, ideas. And so we wanted to make, we wanted to remove that barrier for anyone coming in to say, oh, I, I don't want to accept housing on church property. Uh, and so we wanted it to be a non-religious affiliated program and not talk about faith unless they bring it up first. Um, and so I've been telling my staff, because we have a mixture of folks that do believe and don't believe that, um, that you, your religious, your religious belie beliefs should be shown through your acts and not, you don't, you don't maybe need a sticker or a t-shirt that says I'm a Christian and, but just to show it in the way that you treat others. And then as they kind of live here for a bit, they might ask the question of what is your belief? And in that, once that door is open, you are open to share that amongst amongst the residents. Um, but with that, you know, we have, we have days where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is completely Satan trying to, to break down what we're doing here. And how do we combat evil if we can't invite the church into it? And how do we get Satan out of here? And we've seen it through the construction builds and all of these processes. I had a pastor come from uh, Discovery Bay to see and be on a tour. And he, during prayer for the property, straight up fainted in, in our village. And, and so we were like, what do we do right now? Right? Do we address this, this, evil that is now that's trying to stop this program because in some way acknowledging that and telling people like look satan's here because we're going to do so much amazing things with these the folks that are living here this is going to be incredibly powerful and the ripple effect through the the city and the and the county is going to be major for the kingdom but how do I have that conversation if we are a non-religious organization so that's been really difficult for my own self it's difficult because it's such a separation. Wow, Kim, I mean, that it's so hard to be in that position and balance, you know, between people who you don't really want to scare, you want them to feel like this can be their home and it's comfortable. I mean, certainly it's affecting you professionally as this is your role. How is that affecting you personally? Personally, I have found that my my relationship with, with God has gotten I feel a little bit more distance because I'm almost consciously cutting him out of a section of my life that I know is it's purposeful for him. And, and the reason I'm here is because he put me here. And then I'm like, thanks. I've got it from here. It feels very uncomfortable for me. And I'm trying to figure out how to make sure that that, that I'm bringing him back in and, and trying to find time for that and trying to create that space. Um, I do have a cross tattooed on my arm. So as much as I say, it's like, we're not talking about it. Everybody knows that I'm a Christian and I, you know, <laughs> so it's not super hidden and it kind of invites, I, I think it's there as a way to invite the conversation early on with the residents and with the staff that they, they know this about me. But at the same time, I also find myself just kind of going, oh, we can't talk about that in here, which is weird because I feel like oftentimes as we do that, we we're saying we can't have these opinions and you know of political reasons or, or religious views or things like that and what what we're doing is we're saying we're not supposed to have our opinion in order so that you don't have your opinion it's, it's starting to feel very conflicting for me and i'm i'm working through that how do we how do we protect both people if i'm telling you you can't talk about religion then i'm kind of saying i'm, I'm making i'm taking a stand in a weird way right um, of that, that opinion matters more than our faith. And I'm wrestling through some stuff there personally. Do you find that it it's almost... also super weird? Oh, no, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I... <laughs> <laughs> no, 
You know, the, the uh, it's uh, conversation. We interrupt each other. What can we say? I was gonna say, perfect. do you do you find that um, because this is you know for the this is new in the last year for you in this role? Um, do you find that you're you're kind of swinging the other way and then now wrestling with like how do I find that middle ground of how to be able to dialogue about my faith and my process but also know that I'm the boss and what does that look like and is that okay for all of us because really it's us getting to know each other personally which I would hope any staff would do you know yeah I I mean for 17 years I've I've worked in this field of being in a non-religious nonprofit, and it's never laid on my heart so much it's it's I think it now, and I'm not, you know, I've never had issue. I've talked about my faith with folks when they brought it up. It was the same rules where I've worked that when, once that door is open, which is, you know, the cross on the arm really opens that up pretty fast, uh, that it's been very, I've always had that. But now because, I think because I'm actually living my purpose that and living what I feel like God led me to do, that it is more uncomfortable for me not to be able to share that, like, when when we're giving tours and the government officials come in and they're like, well, tell me how this program got started. I have to start with a tour that happened two years ago rather than the prayers that happened 12 years ago because it's a non-religious program. Um, so they're missing that story. And then how do we, how do I share that story uh, with others without leaving God out. It's, it's, it's a, something that I've been struggling with, trying to figure out how do you do that um, in a safe space for everybody. So that just because I have this experience and I have this faith doesn't, and I'm sharing this story, doesn't mean that I'm trying to recruit you. It just means that this is my faith. And, and so trying to figure out like, well, how do we navigate that? Where I'm not cutting God out of my life. Yeah, I appreciate that because I think, you know, we certainly have people in our Lead Bold community who, um, you know, ministry looks different for everyone. And I think of, say, like a chaplain in a hospital, certainly you are in and among all sorts of faith and no faith and kind of having to walk that line of how do I point people to Jesus? Um, how do I attend to the spiritual things happening um, above and below the surface. Um, and it takes so much wisdom. And I, I really appreciate your vulnerability to be like, I haven't figured it out yet. And I'm seeing where it's not, where it's hurting me. And I got to figure that out. Like, thank you for being honest about that. As thank you, you for giving a safe space to work it out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, as you um, kind of moving into our second question, I'm getting super specific about what are some like a lesson that you've learned along the way as a leader, as somebody in this space. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, a way that maybe you've grown or something you've recognized that would be something we all could probably apply in our situations? Sure. So one thing that I'm working on now, I guess I'm just, I'm just going to use this as a therapy session and talk about what, what I'm working on all across the board. Here's where I'm a mess and what I'm struggling with. Which is ironic because the, <laughs> of the three of us, you're the actual therapist here. So do we bill you? How, how does, how does yeah. that work? Yeah, you're about to, I'll, I'll just give you the hourly rate that I make on the side. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. So one thing that has become over the last week been really uh, laying on me is that uh, this is new. Me, me in this leadership role is new for me. I've, I've always worked amongst a team of social workers. And as we're working, we, we use our office space. We have intentional clinical supervision amongst each other, our consultation time, where we can talk about like things that are coming up for us and what we're working on and what we've tried to do to address it and, and look for advice amongst the group. And that has been incredibly valuable for me. But now I'm at this top and I've, I've caught myself a couple of times having just a frustrating day and going out to my team of managers and kind of unloading the day's frustration onto them and looking for, you know, just kind of a place to put it so I can go back into the office to deal with what I need to deal with. And um, I just really don't, one, that's, that's not good leadership. <laughs> And <laughs> at all, um, and it, and uh, so, and it, it kind of makes me just look. I think probably to them really unprofessional, and and doesn't model my Christian beliefs. If I'm just purging some yucky stuff onto them to to kind of give myself a, a a moment of relief, and so I'm I'm working on again taking that to a, a different place, right? And I think part of that is that I've I've asked God to step out of of this space. And, and so I need to invite him back in, at least into my office, and really have some intentional prayer time and um, manage that emotional bubble up from stress and not share it with everyone around me. But it's very lonely in this role that I, I wasn't aware of that prior to this, that um, I'd heard it, but I didn't think that it, you know, I didn't think it would happen to me. I don't know if that's a fair thing to say, but I, I just thought, oh, it'll be fine. I'm going to create this team atmosphere, but there is also as much as I don't like a hierarchy, there's a hierarchy and I need to to be mindful of that and, and put it into a different place to create an environment where I am, um, even though I'm not talking about my faith, I am still modeling my faith in that way and that you know my team can feel that and feel like this is a safe place as well. <laughs> yeah, so big struggle there. I think, I think it's so interesting and, <clears throat> and this isn't just to plug Lead Bold because of course I'm on the Lead Bold team, but that's why it's so important and sometimes it's hard in ministry as a woman is if you don't have like a community around you that you have a freedom to kind of just like today have a safe space to like process some of the yuck. Um, it feels natural to like the people that are in the closest proximity to you, the team that works with you so closely and understands what you're working on. Like that feels like such a natural impulse. And I think sometimes it can be hard as a woman in a position where you might not have a peer or someone you feel safe, like especially if you're trying to you know, prove that as a woman, you can handle this and be a great leader. Sometimes you're not always feel free to be honest about what is hard and what, you know, a place to vent, you know, and it's the most simplistic terms. And that's why I kind of love the lead bold structure is, you know, the hope is to really continue to have these opportunities to hear from women like you who are saying, you know, at a time, at a certain point in time, my job isn't always sunshine and flowers. Even if I do work in women's ministry and we have tea parties all year, like, where my, we literally my... have sunshine and flowers. Flowers. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's, no, I hear that. And I, I agree with Andrea's sentiment earlier. Just, I think we really appreciate your vulnerability because I think you're saying what a lot of people feel in their jobs, whether they work, you know, in non-religious or even religious ministry. Sometimes there's a fear of being able to like express how you're feeling, or you feel like you can only express how you're feeling with the people who work directly with you. And as a leader, sometimes you feel like, man, did I step over the line <clears throat> by 
sharing that, you know, it's a very delicate, you know, difficult balance. And I think, you know, I so appreciate and admire you for being candid about like the things you're working on and, and where that's meeting you personally versus your professional expectations. Yeah, it is so important for us as leaders, as women to have that circle that is a place where we can share those things. And I agree, you know, of course, Lead Bold is a place for that. I also would encourage women, and Kim, I've seen you do this, um, to find find your people, gather your people. Um, you know, Kim helped launch a um, collective of nonprofit leaders who I think are all women um, and um, who get together. First, it was on Zoom for a while we met and then getting together in person just to kind of have that peer conversation. And I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but I think sometimes as our leadership grows, so our um, amount of how siloed we are grows because we're so invested in this thing in front of us that we have to, that we get to hold that, I mean, who has the time to like look up and see who else is around? So that's one thing I've appreciated that I've seen you do, Kim, is just invite, you know, invite who comes to mind. Who does God bring to mind? Like, could we go to lunch? Could we talk? It doesn't have to be like we have to meet every week for the rest of our lives. But there are people out there, like you said, Aaron, who are lonely, who also need the safe space and an understanding ear. Um, and so I just, I am all for women doing that with each other 100%. So let's get to our third question, which is super broad. Uh, I love to hear people answer this because there's just a million ways you can answer it. But Kim, when you think of leading bold, what does that mean to you? I think for me, it's it's leading with my true authentic self. Um, and that's a person that I'm, I'm working on finding. Uh, it's a person that I couldn't bring to my previous employment. I, I worked... Uh, at, at Santa Rita jail and never really talked about my personal life at all. Uh, and then I've worked in locked facility, like locked med- uh, mental health facilities. And so again, it was really about redirecting questions away from me and back to the person that I'm trying to help or when I'm in the therapy office, same situation, but now I'm in a leadership position. And so wanting to really lead with my true authentic self and to, and to, bring the passion that I have for this project to the to the world and I can tell you this really funny story where I was presenting uh, I was presenting to the Rotary Club just last week and there's this clip in my in my PowerPoint presentation that it's this video that was made by Crosswinds that we showed at Crosswinds and this is my first time actually showing doing the presentation live and in person and so I'm watching it and i I literally cried at the podium while the video was going at myself. I made my own self cry. <laughs> it, was super, there's, it was so embarrassing. But at the same time, I looked at the audience and I'm like, I don't know if anybody else has ever made themselves cry like that. But it, it was so just actually seeing myself talk so openly about my passion project. It was like looking at my heart on the screen and I just felt so incredibly vulnerable at that moment, but also so in love with myself and what I was doing and just felt so many emotions watching it. And I, <laughs> it was incredibly embarrassing. 38 people just saw me. I didn't like ball my eyes out. I did do like that soft, like 
single tear moment, little mascara check. <laughs> I love that. But it's, it's the first time. Yeah, it's you, it's it's you getting to see, yeah, the the full the becoming more full version of what God's been preparing you for for years. And that is vulnerable and it should get you in the feels. That I was going to say, <clears throat> I don't know, Kim, if, if Andrea told you that one of the things we love to do on this podcast is try and now I, I'll, I'll preface it by saying we come up with a title. You have to then write the book. Yeah. Your autobiography come up with title. Your autobiography. And I kind of love the idea of something that's like, you know, like, leading authentically colon making your like how to make yourself cry or like something Erin okay. we're like totally that. on the same page because I've been taking notes <laughs> and I came up with the title cross tattoos and making yourself cry <laughs> I like that even more I like the that making one even yourself more. cry it's so good it's yeah it you know I mean I, what I love about that too is of course we come alongside one another and have certainly cried with one another and have been vulnerable and been compassionate um, and empathetic. Um, and yet how often do we not let ourselves see ourselves and be able to emotionally respond to that? And, and so Kim, it sounds like for you in so many of your former lives and <laughs> all the hats you wore, you absolutely had to hide yourself away because you were the therapist, you were the mental health intake person, you were, you know, whatever. And it, it just couldn't be about you. Not that this is about you, but it's letting you flourish into all that you are. Right. Right. I mean, in order to, to bring the community and engage this, the external, the macro community, we'll say, compared to Guinness Village, the micro community, the macro community to, to involve the volunteers and the donors and everything to make this program run. I have to, to be vulnerable. I have to put myself out there and make it something that they buy into and that they feel like they want to be a part of. And I originally started doing that as the therapist and it was, it didn't sell, right? It was so there were so many walls to my person that it was, it was like selling a product rather than a human. And I'm that transition of becoming more human was really a struggle for me. Cause I still, it's still tough for me to put myself. I've had 15 years of teaching walls and uh, to barricade. And now, now that it's, it's down, I'm like, there's just the relationships that I'm making within our macro community, as well as our micros just seems so much more real and closer and, and a level of depth that has felt very uncomfortable for me in the past. Um, so it's, it's exciting. It's really fun, but yeah, crying, crying in public is still not no. cool. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that you've kind of taken the approach of like leading bold, being like a leadership through vulnerability, because I do think that's one thing, especially as females in ministry and working in kind of ministry partnerships and nonprofits as a situation you're working in is it's so hard to ask for help. And like your whole, the whole channel of what you're working on is essentially asking for people to help those who are in deep misfortune and need help more than anyone. And so, um, I think it's really beautiful to see the ways that the Lord is like kind of breaking that down, even in your own heart, as you serve the community that you're serving, because asking for help, especially for those individuals too, 
can be really hard and can be a very vulnerable place. And so I'm just really, I, I think we on this call are all like really touched by, you know, seeing the ways in which you are, the ways in which you are being transformed and, and seeing the way that God so faithfully as he's transforming us who are in leadership, you know, we always think we're here to make an impact. And it's that recognition that God has to transform us so that others can be transformed for him, which is really cool. Yeah. What she said, I say all the same ditto <laughs> also. She said that really well. Uh, Kim, just blessings on you as you navigate this, as you continue to point people to Jesus and be Jesus to people, even in, um, a way that is not traditionally labeled as a, as a, a faith organization. So thanks for sharing with us today for being willing to be vulnerable and, um, just, you know, keep toting that cross tattoo. Yeah. I'm going to try and make myself right. cry this week. Yeah. Goals. <laughs> Hashtag goals. Do it. Do it. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. It's so good. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye. Wow. Man, we love talking to Kim Curtis. We hope you enjoyed your time today too. And hey, you know, if you were looking for an opportunity to open the door with a conversation for your coworkers, maybe it's time for a cross tattoo. <laughs> we so appreciate you guys listening in. Of course, we want to remind you that if you'd like to know more about Goodness Village, you can check that out at their website and hear all about what Kim is doing in ways that you can support them. Also, the Lead Bold Fall Conference in person, it's happening September 10th and 11th. There are so um, much exciting things to come. And so we encourage you, if you haven't already signed up, to get signed up. There's still more than enough room. We would love to have you and connect with you there. Find out more at leadingbold.org. We'll see you next time.